You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon of Fantasy Football, a podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would draft Terry McLaurin over Amari Cooper 10 times out of five, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texas fan, will draft Josh Gordon in the fifth round, regardless of what team he's on, and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes. El Saboteur, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, and has spent the last 48 hours watching the Batman trailer on loop, the working girl Jordan Smith. And finally, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Gase, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger mustache man, Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing good. Good, Pete. How are you? I am good. I will be honest, though, as we start the show, I may not be all that prepared for this show. Uh, Bex, Bert, and I are moving to my parents' cabin in New Hampshire tomorrow, bright and early. We're driving the 12 hours, trying to get it all done tomorrow. So we're in the midst, the throes of packing uh, today. So uh, most of my takes are gut feelings with very little stats to back them up. So uh, we'll ride with that. You're moving or visiting? Moving. We're spending the fall there. Since all of Becca's wow. classes are remote, we're going to do the, we're there through basically the end of 2020. So we're going to come back January 1st to Ann Abba. Um, but yeah, we thought with things being remote with 40,000 students descending upon Ann Arbor, we were like, well, maybe we want to get out of here while we, uh, while <laughs> we can and uh, move to rural New Hampshire where the caseload is like 40 <laughs> since, yeah, since, since the outbreak. That's so. smart. My, my little brother just took off for college and uh, made sure to tell me he'd be real safe. And then his like second day there, he's posting Instagram stories of him shotgunning beers with his friends. <laughs> oh God, flee the college students, get away from them. I guess as, as long as they're not sharing a beer bond, then that's a little bit better. It's not great, but it's a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everyone's just shotgunning from distance. You have to all be six feet apart <laughs> or else you get pegged with the empty cans. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, but we will get into, we are finishing up. It is our final divisional deep dive, the NFC East. Uh, and uh, we are going to break it all down. We have our four categories as always. You are, this is the final tidbit of information that we will be giving you uh, before fantasy drafts. So, you're welcome, everyone. Hope you've been tuning in. Hope that we've been helpful. So let us start right off with the trustworthy elites. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Pfft. Waiter, I ordered the 89 Chateau, not the 99. 
And uh, I am going to start us off because my guy, I don't feel like takes a lot of, uh, not a lot of discussion here. I'm trusting Ezekiel Elliott this year, hands down. He's going RB3 behind uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and third overall. And I am 100% in on him. I think that you, if you spend a top three pick on him, Ezekiel Elliott, I think you could spend the number one pick on him. I just think that he is going to forever be the workhorse of the Dallas Cowboys offense. Uh, I think the Cowboys sneakily, this is this is my little uh, reading the tea leaves, as you were. Uh, I think the Cowboys, Jerry Jones wants to build this offense to be quarterback proof so that they don't have to pay Dak Prescott. Uh and I think that means that they're just going to work and rely on Zeke Elliott to be the real catalyst of this offense. He's going to not only be involved in the ground game, but also in the passing game. And with this wide receiver trio now and the amount of weapons that are there in Dallas's passing game, there's just going to be so much space for him to operate in. So you can't go wrong. I fully, fully endorse Zeke for 2020 or yeah, 2020 season. Well, they did wisely pay their running back before they paid their quarterback. So I, I think they want to use Zeke a little bit. He was my trustworthy elite as well. So I can um, speak to him a little bit more. Uh, he's finished in the top 12 of running backs every season and has been a top five in three of his four seasons. Um, he was number one in defense adjusted yards above replacement last year and fourth in DVOA, fourth in success rate. Um, they lost Travis Frederick in the middle, but they have Joe Looney, who started in place of Frederick while Frederick was dealing with his illness uh, two years ago now, I believe. Uh, and they also drafted Tyler Biazzi out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin linemen are generally pretty solid. Um, and he just consistently seems to have a 16.4. Uh, I did the math before the podcast, and he averages 19.6 fantasy points per game over his entire four-year career. Pretty good. um so the only disagreement that i have is i think that they are going to throw the ball a ton i think that they will end up paying uh paying dak prescott but what i do agree on is if you have a good running back that is a part of a a member of a good passing attack he's gonna score so yeah i his efficiency is going to be outstanding He's well worth well worth the uh, the cost that he is going at. So don't don't scoff at that. Take him and, and feel secure. Uh, but stick with running backs because Nick, your your trustworthy elite is also a running back. Yeah, um, and and Sanders. So Miles Sanders, Philadelphia Eagles. His ADP has seemed to fluctuate like crazy. Over it's the been last all week. over the place. Yeah, but the one thing is for sure is uh, going off sharp football strength of schedules what the eagles have is a really easy uh, slate of, of defenses and a bunch of tough or at least proficient offenses so the the game pace is going to be high flying no matter what depending on who you pay attention to uh if you're smart you're paying attention to the right people miles sanders is the bell cow this year he's getting eight, 18 plus touches um i i really like the, the inside the birds guys i'd go check them out yeah, Sanders is going to be the guy. And there's the the questionable history of whether or not Doug Peterson actually likes to have a, a feature back. All I will say is go look at the backs that he actually had to work with. He has not had a talented dual threat who is as, who is as athletic as Miles Sanders. Um, yeah, he, he he's going to be a, a running back one this year. What's he currently going at? He's at the yeah. back end of the 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 second round. Oh yeah, my God. like in half That's point gorgeous. PBR, he's he's number twenty three. So he's the last pick of the the second round, which is crazy. Oh, delightful. 
Yeah, so Sanders is my league winner. I might have guys a little bit of out of order today, but uh, <laughs> Sanders is a really classic league winner in that he's going late in the second round, so everyone will have a chance to get him. And he's coming off of a few really strong games and uh, highly anticipated rookie season. So now he is coming into camp as the man. Uh, coaching catnip Jordan Howard is gone. And while he's not the only game in town, Boston Scott you know, proved that he's – serviceable he's he's not as good as miles sanders the problem with miles sanders is that he is a bit slight and so it will be can he stand up to the rigors of the nfl and if he does he showed us that he's incredibly explosive he can catch the ball carson Wentz can get it to him he's also a good just at running back he's good at running the football so i have him down as my league winner because that's that guy in the second round that could finish as the like second or third running back if the uh, eagles offense gets back to its explosive form uh he, he's also the second round running back that we look at and went ah rookie got me again i thought he was good he had six good games and then he sprained his ankle because he's little dang it yeah and that's why you invest in bart boston scott at the uh tail end of your draft i feel like miles sanders outside of like christian mccaffrey saquon barkley Ezekiel elliott is the guy who in the in that kind of top 12 top 15 running backs who I feel the most confident in both a solid rushing work and solid passing work. Like I just, I feel like there is a comfortable, a, a high floor in both of those for Miles Sanders. Whereas other running backs around him and in that kind of top 12 there, you can, you can, uh, there's this qu- questions about which side is actually higher. If that makes sense. Yeah. I love Miles Sanders. Um, if you've been playing dynasty the past couple of, of years you know that miles sanders was a pretty uh sexy pick in terms of like his athleticism um the pedigree of him kind of being saquon barkley's backup at penn state and then being able to break out on his own after saquon left uh philadelphia is a very heavy personnel type of team uh they ran 12 personnel 52 percent of the time last year which is the highest in the league um minnesota ran it the second highest at 34 percent uh, you know, they also like to run the ball as well. So it's going to be a pretty good Miles Sanders show, especially if they don't have anybody who's going to be a significant pass catching option outside of the tight ends. Clarky boy, who's uh, your trustworthy elite? Yeah, my, so after picking someone that no one or that most people <laughs> wouldn't have a chance to draft last week, I decided to be a man of the people and say that my trustworthy <laughs> elite is Carson Wentz. He's the QB 12 right now. I, we just talked about Philadelphia uh, and Miles Sanders, but we didn't talk about uh, how good of a coaching staff this staff is and all of the creative things that they do. Uh, And that Carson Wentz has had a full season now and proven that he is not just a nimble uh, runner who can occasionally get lucky on a deep pass like Josh Allen. He's actually a really good quarterback who can run. So the Eagles are still that explosive coaching staff and they have just been absolutely killed by not having any wide receivers still. Despite that, Carson Wentz had a pretty good year last year. They tried to address it in the offseason. We'll see if that works. But Carson Wentz going as the QB12, going super, super late, and I think has a very, very solid chance to, to finish inside that top six QBs, which I think is what you're targeting if you if you wait on quarterback. You know, top 12 doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it's You want to get in that top five, top six. Yeah, I think they saw, I mean, we've seen Carson Wentz obviously put together, you know, MVP-esque performances earlier in his career. Then he just has the injury issue to deal with. 
but we saw last year this season start off with him with a healthy Deshaun Jackson to like stretch that field. And he was dynamite, right? He was chucking that ball all over the field and he and Deshaun Jackson looked great. And so I think it's, it's encouraging that then the Eagles are like, Oh, good. Carson Wentz is really good with like speedy downfield threats. Let's just get a bunch of them. And so they went and got a bunch of them this off season. And so there's a lot, uh, there may not be a lot of like, big sexy names uh in philly and there might not be like a clear-cut number one target outside of zach Ertz in terms of like a guy who's going to be that number one receiver fantasy wise but i think there's a lot of receivers there enough receivers there who are talented enough for wentz to to finally be able to like put together a healthy 16 game season fingers crossed and return to showing us like that kind of mvps guy that we saw earlier in his career i love this pick um, so Carson Wentz, yeah, uh, Pete, you touched on when he had that one game with Deshaun Jackson, who's having an awesome camp. They've reinforced the uh, downfield receiving role with uh, uh, John Hightower, the late round draft pick, and Jalen Rager, who's apparently like maybe just going to lock down the X position, but excels Hell in yes. the downfield portion of the field. Yeah, we, we love that. Um, but I, I can't really like talk about this schedule enough. Uh, third most difficult slate of opponents in terms of uh, rushing offense efficiency and 11th in passing. Then for their side of the ball, for the offensive, for the Eagles offensive side of the ball, seventh softest in terms of passing efficiency. So what we have are just these like explosive opponents who have really bad pass defenses. He's, he's just going to eat. Yeah. I think when you are looking at QBs, you got to take a heavy look at who are they playing in their division. Um, the Cowboys are probably the best secondary in that division, but there is a lot of uh, question marks across Washington and the Giants. Or well, in, and the Dallas, Giants. they lost Byron Jones this offseason. Like, who knows what that defense is going to be? Yeah, so uh, it, there's just a lot of question marks there. Carson Wentz is, I think he's averaging like seven picks over the past three seasons, which isn't a lot. So he's been able to toss the ball around the field without giving it up to the defense and just playing soft uh, secondaries is going to help that all right so normally we segue right into players who we are not drafting however we're going to spice up the order a little bit and this next segment is just going to be the amari cooper debate because we are split right down the middle on this podcast in terms of Amari Cooper being worth his ADP and a possible league winner and Amari Cooper not being worth his ADP and someone who we are not at all touching. Uh, I'll let you, the listeners, before we get into it, guess, you think in your mind, be like, okay, this is who I think is on which side and we'll give you a, a quick beat. Okay, good. I hope you've picked your people now. Let's get into the debate. Uh, those who are pro Amari, those are Nick and Jordan. You guys, why don't you start us off and make the argument for why Amari Cooper is worth uh, his whatever ADP, whatever that currently is. Um, yeah. So I think Amari Cooper is just an elite receiver and what should be an explosive and elite offense. Um, Amari Cooper should garner at least 110 targets this year. He had 119 Um last year as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast that there are 166 targets that are vacated by randall cobb and jason witten um which i expect a good amount to filter to blake jarwin who i'll talk about a little bit later um and a good share to go to cd lamb but not an even split by any means so i think there are going to be target increases for both cooper and michael gallup in that regard um 
against an easier than average pass schedule this year. I looked at Warren Sharp stats today. Um, this guy, Jordan is showing up. Uh, well, I, I do me and Nick, we're going to team up here. Um, so <laughs> last year, uh, Cooper uh, still was the second highest graded wide receiver against top 10 coverage units uh, per PFF. So uh, he has an easier pass coverage schedule this year. And even when you think you can cover him, the grading from PFF shows that you really can't. Uh, he ranked third in defense adjusted yards above replacement, 10th in DVOA. Uh, he averaged 9.99 yards per target and 15 yards per catch. Uh, despite Michael Gallup, who I really like, I enjoy Michael Gallup and would draft him later as well. Despite him being the more perceived deep ball guy, though, uh, Cooper led the team in percentage share of team air yards. So Cooper gets down the field as well. Yeah. Okay. So that was all great stuff. Um, the uh, things I'll try to touch on um, that weren't already mentioned there were just they're 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 uh, few. One, Kellen Moore has retained rights to play calling. We love that. I was really worried about Mike McCarthy, but he's basically said it's it, he's doing the like CEO approach where he's not going to do a whole bunch of the day to day stuff. But the the whole NFC beast uh, strength of schedule is very similar. It's 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 a lot like the Eagles. For sharp football, their uh, Dallas Cowboys opponents are number five in passing efficiency. Uh, their defenses, uh, pass defense, are eleven softest in terms of pass defense efficiency. So it's going to be shootouts no matter what. Now we've talked about the the in in division games, but uh, as far as the out of division games, uh, Rams, Falcons, Seahawks, Browns, Cards, Steelers, Vikings, <laughs> Ravens, 49ers, Bengals, like. This is going to be nonstop shootouts. And what we have is an analytically backed offense that showed awesome play calling at the beginning of the season last year before Jason Garrett got his claws into it. And he's and Amari Cooper is the number one passing game weapon here. I think his target uh, share is going to be much higher. I think it'll be much more in the 130 to 140 range. I just don't know how you go wrong with this pick as a wide receiver one in the third round. Well, Nick. Let Clark and I tell you how you're going wrong with this pick. Clark, would you like to start us off? Yeah, this is this will be pretty short and sweet. Uh, I agree with everything that you guys say. Amari Cooper is a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, the only reason I'm steering away from him is that he he just absolutely disappears in games. And there are other guys around him that I am more confident in. Uh, Amari, I don't know why Amari Cooper isn't treated like the unbelievable wide receiver that he is in this offense for some games, they just forget about him. Uh, I don't know if it's because they don't have to go to him because of all of the other players they have, or because they're running the ball with Zeke or what, uh, but not picking Cooper has nothing to do with me thinking that he's not good. It's just, I would prefer to have a guy that doesn't score fewer than one points more than two or three times a year in the third round. And yeah. That's the biggest thing for me. He, there's two things that stood out to me from his last year performance that has me worried. First off, is that he put up almost half of his yardage last year in four games. And that ties into what Clark is saying. He had six games with less than 50 yards and no touchdowns, including three yards versus the Jets one week and a zero burger against the Patriots where he posted absolutely nothing. And so what Clark has said is, is totally true, where Cooper will have these massive games, and he did. He had like three huge games last year, and that's where a lot of his fantasy value came from. But then outside of that, he's will give you dud games. And, and if I'm looking to get a wide receiver one, like that's what you're drafting him as he's a top 12 wide receiver going 30th overall or 31st overall, you're drafting him as your numbers wide receiver one. I don't want weeks where my wide receiver one puts nothing on the board. 
I am not sold that his target share is going to increase. I think that those targets are going to get spread around between CD Lamb, between Blake Jarwin, between Ezekiel Elliott, and maybe you'll see an uptick. Michael Gallup was injured uh, and missed a couple of games last year. And if you take his numbers, his, his numbers were, if you, he was on pace for a better season than Amari Cooper. And so I just, I don't necessarily see this world where Amari Cooper is going to like post such significantly better numbers than anyone else in that offense, specifically my, Michael Gallup, that it's worth taking him in the 30, in the 30s when he's going ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, uh, AJ Brown, and running back-wise, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon. Michael Gallup is going wide receiver 29, 30, 73rd overall. Uh, and I will happily just take Michael Gallup and have that be my part of the Dallas offense this year. Um, I, if, even if you do take Amari Cooper, I think everyone should be targeting Michael Gallup. You should draft Michael Gallup hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so the, so I've learned this. So the, the established run guys work in conjunction with sports info solutions and what they have found, and I'm going to confirm this later on, but what they have found is, uh, Cooper balls out. I believe I have to confirm this, but I believe it is against man coverage. And that's when you see his spiked weeks. And it's likely because Dak Prescott is a see it before he throws it kind sure. of guy. And so when he's transitioning through zones, I guess he doesn't like to, to let it fly. The hope is that they have that he is he is progressing as a passer, that the, the rapport between the two of them is, is continuing to improve. It's very good. But I do understand that he carries risk in when facing, I believe, zone coverage. And that is not necessarily something that you want to have for your wide receiver one. So what we'll try to do on the show is when we see like they're, they're playing a team that is like this, these guys are zone heavy or these guys are man heavy. We'll try to let listeners know, Hey, this is definitely a week to bank on Amari Cooper. I also want to say that this is just kind of also a scenario where you hope that um, getting Jason Garrett out of the way just opens the door for Kellen also super to be able to implement what, he wants from an analytics base. Uh, we rattled off a ton of numbers. So hopefully, I mean, these teams are generally much better at having their own sorts of information and uh, being able to figure out things like that. And um, Clemens is, or yeah, Kellen Moore. I, why do I keep confusing him with Kellen Clemens? Um, <laughs> Kellen Moore, um, he's only been the offensive coordinator uh, these past two seasons. So as he implements more of the things that he wants to do as he gets better control of the offense, Mike McCarthy's like a good football coach. He's a pretty good leader of men, but I'm just hoping he's going to do what he's been telling us he wants to do. And that's just letting the offensive coordinator call what he should and not resort, not resort to a Mike McCarthy offense, which would not be good for anyone involved. I mean, it's, it's good that we put these numbers out because Kellen Moore is an avid listener to the podcast. So if he doesn't have these numbers already, we just gave them to him. So you're welcome, Kellen. We would like uh, a small coaching credit at the end of your successful 2020 uh, Dallas Cowboys season. Uh, we are going to, we still have two not draftings and two league winners. And then obviously we're going to touch on late sleepers. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. So obviously, Amari Cooper was both Clark's, uh, Clark and my player who we're not drafting. But Jordan, who are you not drafting from the uh, NFC East? Uh, yeah. So my stay away is uh, Zach Ertz. Um, it's not really an indictment of him as a player. He's still a solid tight end, but at tight end four, he's going at 41 overall, which is just, it's in that soft spot of, he's not exactly going in the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle range. He's going a few rounds after that. And I would rather pick, uh, guys who are going directly behind him, such as James Conner and Calvin Ridley, um, and wait on tight end until later rounds. Um, Plus, Zach Ertz still has to compete with Dallas Goddard, who's on his tail. Um, like I mentioned before, the amount of 12 personnel that Philly ran last year, uh, 52%, they passed out of that 58% of the time. So um, the two tight end sets there are going to be heavily used. Um, however, I think that as Dallas Goddard continues to develop, to develop as a player and potentially make that third-year jump that some tight ends do, uh, he could see uh, more of those tight end targets get tilted towards him. Um, Ertz has been a top five tight end the past three seasons, but Goddard finished top 10 tight end last year, um, which is still pretty good. So in, he's going all the way at 148 overall tight end 17. So rather than reach for Zach Ertz in, what is that, the late third, early fourth, I would sit back on my heels for tight end and wait for somebody else to come. And if you're spending that high of a pick for someone like Zach Ertz, like I, I don't see necessarily this like clear, obvious path for Zach Ertz to be hand, heads and shoulders, the tight end one this year in fantasy. Uh, and if I'm spending, you know, if I'm passing on guys like uh, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram, like all of these guys who you're going to be passing on in order to take Zach Ertz, I need to see that Zach Ertz is good, like has the potential, like there is a, there's a narrative street there for Zach Ertz to put together this phenomenal tight end season. And it's not there. It's not, it's not convincing enough for me to, to be willing to pay up for that price. Yeah. I, I think the only way that I would end up taking him here, um, cause you, you named the two guys who I really love in that, in that area with Ridley and, and Connor, the only way I'm going to take him is if I'm making a con, uh, concentrated or concerted effort to build an Eagle stack. So if I'm like, grabbing Sanders in the second and then coming back, whatever it is, the third or fourth getting Ertz and then like at ADP taking Carson once, which isn't something that I really want to do. I love him, but it'd be, it's just so tough for me to take quarterbacks early. Um, so yeah, only like Eagle, Eagle stack only for me, I think. Nick wrap us up with uh, who you're not drafting from the NFC East. Cool. So this is sort of a copy paste um, for, uh, for, for Evan Ingram. Basically, the the ADP is just not a good place, and like we see that the the return value on mid round tight ends is just so friggin' bad. So he's going as the seventy eighth pick overall, uh, tight end nine. I, I think that's like what is that round seven pick seven or something like that. Um, guys going behind him, two spots behind him, and half point PPR. 
Marquise Brown, uh, six or seven behind him, Will Fuller. Like I, I'm taking those guys and it's, it's not a debate uh, to make matters worse. And we've talked about this with, uh, with other Giants players before their, their opening games and especially for tight end there. So first game is against the Steelers, which is like the tight end erasing defense. Then they got to go face the bears. And then it's the 49ers. It like, this three-game slate to open the season is just brutal for all of the Giants' pass catchers. So, I'm much more likely. I, and Ingram is going to—he's going to score high in tight end position. Um, probably before or after week two, I'm going to start shooting trade offers out to whoever owns him just to see if they're scared and they're willing to give it up for cheap. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of this. this I'll use this as a platform to talk about something else that baffles me: Saquon Barkley being so good and playing for the Giants and going ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, man, I just feel like the Giants are going to be terrible, and I like to break ties away from even really great players that I think are on bad teams I think Evan Ingram is a wide receiver in a tight ends uh, uniform which is fantastic that's exactly what we want and if uh, the upgrade we're using air quotes for all of the listeners out there at coach was not to Jason Garrett and if the quarterback were not Daniel Jones I would be really excited about Evan Ingram uh, but that is not the world we live in and why not just take league winner rob gronkowski a couple of picks later yeah. i want to uh second the notion that it's preposterous <laughs> that barkley is going ahead of ezekiel yeah yeah i mean he's so good like it's like it's like my picking against amari cooper it has nothing to do with I think what people, i think of him as a football player it's just why would you do that like people now, are again <laughs> weirdly high on like daniel jones taking this amazing big step in his sophomore year yeah, but then uh, what I love about splitting hairs at the top of the draft is me talking about like how silly it is to take him at two, but then at four, I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm so excited to get Saquon Barkley yeah, at four. Two picks, later. two picks later, yes! What a value! He's push, yeah, he's going to push for 350 carry or 350 touches. But, yeah, but yeah, and they, like 70 targets. Like Right, they, they run him so much on first down and he's so bad. Like his his first down run results are god awful, and it's not going to get worse or not going to get better with Jason Garrett. Well, what are you going to do? What do you wait? Who are you going to make beat you for the Giants? Are you going to say like, "Let's take one back, be pretty good. Let's put seven in the box and see what we can do." Or are you going to be like, <laughs> "Let's see if Daniel Jones can outsmart my safety." Let's yeah. Advantage safety. All right, and now Clark, let's talk about our league winners because uh, Jordan and Nick both saw Amari Cooper as theirs. Uh, I guess Clark, you already touched on your league winner, didn't you? Yeah, and about Sanders, just because of where he's going and what he could do. There's two or three guys each year that you know, like you mentioned, could end up as the running back two or three, and people wouldn't be that surprised. Like, there's not a shortage of people who are on the Miles Sanders hype train, and he's remained a second round pick, I think because he like limped off the practice field one day that people have kind of gotten <laughs> off of him. And that's understandable. You got to watch stuff like that. But yeah, Mel Sanders is that like, I'll take a shot on him and we'll see how it goes in a second. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so then my league winner to wrap us up on this category, I, I have spoken at length. I've kind of made Terry McLaurin, like one of my, I guess, hype trained guys. Like, yeah, I am look just- out Terry McLaurin's knee absolutely obsessed damn it (laughs) i'm absolutely obsessed with terry mclaurin this year i have no idea why he's going wide receiver 25 it just 
flabbergasting, in my opinion. He's literally the only offensive weapon in Washington at the moment. There's no running back. There's no tight end. There's no other receiver behind him. This offense is going to run through Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's getting reliably targeted downfield from his rookie year. He had a beastly rookie season. He played well with Dwayne Haskins at the end of the year. He's going at the end of the fifth round in your fantasy drafts, and I think has wide receiver one upside. I wrote a huge article on fake teams a while back ago, which I deep dived. I pulled a Nick and went all number crazy and nerdy. Uh, so I'm not going to read, just regurgitate all of that on the podcast. If you want to know deep dive, why I'm so high on Terry McLaurin, go read that. But basically it's, it comes down to the fact that he was being targeted down the field. He showed success at those winning those jump balls and that he, I just don't understand. I don't know in a world how he can't see unless he gets injured like 150 targets this year. And he's good enough to take those targets and be a top 12 wide receiver. So the fact that he's going wide receiver 25 is mind blowing to me. I can, at the end of the fifth round, that means I could get like four top tier running backs and then get my wide receiver one or do three top tier running backs, get George Kittle and then my wide receiver one. So I love, I'm Terry, Terry McLaurin is my, my wide receiver one, every single one of my drafts. So I can give a half-hearted defense of why Terry McLaurin is going in the fifth round, but you should take him there. And it's because he plays for the Washington football team who is expected to be absolutely atrocious again this year. Uh, we had a couple of big games out of Terry McLaurin because he is a downfield threat. And I think showing that as a rookie means, you know, speaks so highly for what your career could be. But it was really up and down and people don't have a lot of faith in Dwayne Haskins. And that's why you're getting such a great discount and why you should listen to Pete this time on wide receiver and take Terry McLaurin. <laughs> That was my defense against Terry McLaurin. So that's just like, that's as, that's as much of an endorsement as I can give. Like, you should definitely take him in the fifth or fourth. Yeah, like, jump up and get him. There's no reason not to draft him. Anyways. Yep. I like the pick. Um, I think the uh, I think the workload is key here with a, with a, a serious possibility at 150 targets. Uh, Haskins, you know, he's still developing, but they've been playing together for a few years now. They finished off college together. They went to college together. That's right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the rapport is, is undeniable. He's a baller. The only thing I would criticize you on is that Logan Thomas is separating at tight end. So, you know, just keep an eye on that, but this is a good pick. No running back, sir. Adrian Peterson is going to get a thousand yards again this year. That's fair. Antonio but Adrian Gibson. Peterson is going to do zero, zero in the air. Adrian Peterson is going to get targeted 10 times and drop all 10 of them. Yeah, I like the Terry McLaurin pick at 58 overall. It kind of seems like after last year, he might be one of those guys that just gets treated a little bit too highly, like a second round value. But I think going back as a clear wide receiver one on that offense uh, with guys like Calvin Harmon tearing his ACL, he's out for the year. There's just not a lot of pass catching options to take away from Terry McLaurin. Um, going back at the 58 overall spot is just it's very sexy to me like just being able to get a potential number one wide receiver it might not be as efficient as you want because Dwayne Haskins is still uh trying to improve but he'll definitely get the volume he'll get the targets and that's really all you want out of Terry McLaurin so all right well let's wrap up the NFC East with some late sleepers You mustn't wake the late round sleeper. And uh, Clark, start us off. So I, I haven't felt good about one of my sleepers for a couple of weeks because it's just—it's <laughs> not a sleeper. It's just someone who's going ridiculously late, and that's Deshaun Jackson. Uh, 
it is a Will Fuller-esque decision here. If Deshaun Jackson plays 16 games, I'll bet anyone on the pod that he finishes as a top eight wide receiver in the league. Just, I feel like that's not being in any way bold, uh, but he could play for two games again. And so he is free, and I am not leaving any of my drafts without Deshaun Jackson. I just need seven or eight games out of him. I'm playing him every week that he practices in full on Friday before the game. Carson Wentz is actually pretty good at throwing the ball downfield, and Deshaun Jackson, despite his elder state at like 30-something, which, God, I'm getting old enough to hate saying that stuff. Uh, he's still really, really good. So injury concerns are there, but it's a boom-bust pick that you're getting for free at the end of your draft. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll springboard here onto my pick. Um, I don't want to leave any draft without Deshaun Jackson, and I also don't want to leave any draft without Jalen Rager. And I know that that might seem redundant, but they are going to play that from the looks of it. Jackson's going to be the Z and Rager's going to be the X. And both of these guys, as we've talked about with Wentz and Sanders, they have an incredible schedule. This team is just going to score a ton. And it's, it's one that you just want to get as much exposure to because it's a good team in a good schedule wise situation. So I, I love both of the starting receivers here and would have no issue with taking both of them. I like uh, Rigor. He should benefit from being on a, an actual football team with a good pass thrower uh, because when he was playing at TCU last year, he just did not have that. So I think if he uh, his if his numbers in college reflected his skill set, he would have been going higher on a lot of draft boards uh, back in April. So, oh no. Clark's internet took him off. <laughs> His Deshaun Jackson take was too hot, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Jordan, who's a late round sleeper you're, you're targeting? Um, yeah, so not to blow too much smoke up the Cowboys' ass, but it's going to be uh, well, three out of my four guys today. Uh, Blake Jarwin. I feel like this, offense, this offense is going to be good. We're all hoping it. If not, we're all screwed. Fingers crossed. Um, so Blake Jarwin, uh, he's going to be the tight end one in Dallas this season. I think they've showed as much to us when they signed him to a contract extension this past spring. Um, he finished 15th in defensive adjusted yards above replacement, so value per play, and 14th in DVOA uh, overall value among tight ends last season, um, which was ended up being better than division rivals Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, who I touched on before. Um, again, there are targets up for grabs in Dallas, um, and Jarwin already had 41 last season. So um, just being able to add to that target load will greatly improve his value. Um, and Jason Witten finished tight end 11 last year. So there's really no reason that a younger, more athletic pass catching tight end can't finish um, or at least sniff that territory. Um, and tight end 11 would be pretty good for him considering he's going 187 overall um, behind OJ Howard, who's not really even the starting tight end on his own team anymore. Um, and, uh, Jarwin is currently tight end 25. So he's the kind of guy you wait if you're not into drafting mid-round tight ends like Zach Ertz, like Evan Ingram, you wait until the back end of the draft and basically get a guy who's almost... I like him a lot if, if first... Uh he's a great option to like draft super late in your draft. And then if it doesn't work out, you just stream or he's a great streaming option. I think he's, I think he's going to, could be the guy or one of those tight ends who you think is a streaming option, but then ultimately cements himself as like a reliable weekend week out guy. Yeah. He he's like, I, I used to uh, dream about what Rico gathers could have done um, in the Cowboys <laughs> offense. He, he's a, he's a big old ballerina. 
Uh, he's an athlete. He's a very good pass catcher. And you're getting potentially uh, an outstanding red zone weapon in what we've already talked about uh, is going to be a, a really high scoring offense. So I, I love this. I do think that Jarwin needs to be considered as like a platoon tight end. I wouldn't draft him naked. Um, definitely go grab like Herb Smith to pair with him. But yeah, you, you're going to have a, a, a startable tight end in you know, seven, eight games. All right, and I'll wrap up the late sleepers for the NFC East uh, with, I feel like I've already talked about Golden Tate before on this show, but I'll talk about him again. He's going as the wide receiver 53. He averaged seven and a half targets per game last year and was on pace for almost 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. He missed the first four games of the season with a PED suspension, so you know he's cheating to win, which is always something you want. Uh, in your fantasy players, especially when they're an older wide receiver. It means that they you know, aren't aging. Uh, Julian Edelman is another great example of a wide receiver who's you know, beating the test of time with illegal drugs. I think that he and Saquon will be Daniel Jones's most reliable targets in the passing game. I don't think that Golden Tate has this like super crazy high ceiling, but I do think he has a pretty, a, a, good, a solidly high and reliable floor. Um, I think he's would be a consistent flex throughout this season. And you're getting him, like I said, 149 overall to be, you know, your wide receiver four, maybe some weeks or wide receiver three uh, for your team. I'm all about that. I just think he's a, he's a PPR monster. That's a thumbs up from everybody, which means we are done with our divisional deep dives. Look at that. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Fate Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, uh, but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcast. We will not have another show later this week. Uh, like I said at the top, we're, uh, we're going to be in the process of moving and it'll take us some time to get settled. So won't be able to record, but... Enjoy all of your drafts, everyone. Uh, if you have any kind of fantasy drafts, fantasy football questions that crop up, uh, make sure to tweet them at us at RB1 Podcast or reach out to us individually. You can tweet me at Pete M. Rogers, uh, follow Clark at NFL Clark, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27, and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week to start getting ready for actual football you guys it is finally here as crazy as that sounds until then peace